Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said, to the, said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think about God, life, meaning, purpose? What do you think about regret, beauty, shame, honor? What do you think about Jesus, change, the kingdom, who's in and who's out? What do you think you're doing here tonight? What do you think? Jesus has a question for all of us this evening. The question is, what do you think? And Jesus does not ask this question because he lacks information. He asks the question because we lack understanding. And this question introduces a short parable to a group of priests and elders. We will be talking a lot about parables over the next six weeks as we dive into our next sermon series entitled Kingdom Stories, where we'll study the parables of Jesus. But for now, it's simply important to note that Jesus's favorite method of teaching were stories intended to slow us down and force us to ask, what do I think? What do I think? Really? This corresponds to the heart of Lent that uh, Nina articulated earlier. And yes, we do share a last name. If you've never met my better half, this corresponds right to that purpose of Lent. This idea of forcing us to slow down to ask questions, to think, to prepare. Lent is a 40-day period before Easter, and it's patterned after the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness preparing for his calling. Nina said that significant work takes a long time, that the road to Easter is a long road, and one of my greatest frustrations as a pastor is that people want to show up and experience the power of Easter without the preparation of Lent. The power will be all the more powerful if we slow down and prepare and think about Jesus' question, what do you think? This parable 
entitled The Parable of the Two Sons, what does it ask us to think about? Let me read it again with that in mind. What does this parable ask us to think about? And I want you to feel the awkward force of Jesus' teaching as he starts this parable. What do you think? He hasn't told the story yet. There's not anything to think about yet. It's how he starts, not how he ends. What do you think? About what, Jesus? He wants to get our attention, force us to slow down and begin pondering before he even says a word. What do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. That's the whole story. The rest is Jesus's commentary. That's the whole story right there. Those couple of verses. This parable of the two sons asks us to think through at least three questions. What has God called me to do? How have I responded? And is there any mind changing I need to do? What has God called me to do? How have I responded? And is there any mind changing I need to do? Let's walk back through our passage. A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And then if you skip to verse 30, and he went to the other son and said the same. He's asking his sons to do something. What has God called me to do? The second question is, how have I responded? We get the response of each of the sons. The first son in verse 29, and he answered, I will not, but afterward he changed his mind and went. His response was no, initially. He thought about it and he changed his mind. And then the second son, he answered, I go, sir. It's kind of an ancient way of saying, sir, yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir, I go. You ask, I do it. I go, sir, but did not go. What has God called me to do? And then how have I responded? And then the third question is interesting here. Third question, is there any mind changing I need to do? Back to verse 29. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. You see, one of the two brothers actually got, uh, spent some time thinking about his response. And I believe uh, that is what the season of Lent calls us to do, to consider what has God called us to do. 
to ask how have I responded and to think, is there any mind changing that I need to do? And if you look at verse 31, where Jesus goes on to talk about the meaning of this parable, he says, which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Now, interestingly enough, you could say to yourself, oh, which of the will, which of the will, which of the two sons did the will of his father? And you could say, well, the one who actually obeyed. But it's not simply the one who actually obeyed. It's the one who stopped to think about his response. Notice there's one son who responds and then considers his response. And there's another son who just responded. And so it's simple enough for us to say, oh, it's the one who obeys Jesus. That's the one who does the will. But we have to ask, what's the step that comes before the obedience? It's the prayerful, slow consideration of the one son versus the other son who does not stop to think about his response. Jesus goes on to say in verse 32, or the rest of verse 31, let me read it for us. Which of these two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. You see, Jesus says that the power of truly considering your response is so strong that even tax collectors, traitors, and prostitutes are gaining entrance into the kingdom ahead of you who believe so strongly that you've responded to God correctly that you've never paused long enough to consider your response. So this evening, in this season of Lent, let's pause. Let's consider our response. What has God called me to do? And I believe that all of the answers that we could have to that question can be summed up with something Jesus says in John 6, 29. It says, Jesus answered them, the work of God is this, that you believe in him who he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in him who he has sent. Because that idea of belief, when you put your faith and ultimate trust in Jesus Christ, you're saying, my life now rises and falls on the very words of Jesus. My whole life's weight has been thrust upon him. That what God has called us to do is to transfer all of the meaning that we were seeking with our own agenda and our own purposes and to shift them onto Jesus. What has God called us to do? To believe. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And so how have I responded? Has that been my response? Have I said that with my mouth, but failed to do that with my actions, which is one of the problems in our story? How have I actually responded to this call of God? How have I actually responded to the fact that God broke into history in real time and space so that not just he could know us, but we could ultimately know him. And when we consider our response, maybe 
this evening and over the next 40 days, we might want to ask, is there any mind-changing I need to do? The story goes on. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. Notice how many times the, the word believe is in this passage. Just It's uh, three times in, the verse thir- in verse 32 alone. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And, when, and even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe him. Even when you saw what was going on, even when you could feel the nudge of God, even when you saw the transformation happening, you did not change your minds. So is there any mind changing that we need to do on our journey toward Easter? But first, the ashes, as Nina said. But first, the ashes. Because as we consider what God has called us to do, as we consider how have I responded, as we consider is there any mind changing I need to do, it's important that we make those decisions and contemplate those realities with full understanding of what our lives would look like apart from Jesus Christ. And so we have these ashes here. These ashes are created from burned palm branches from last year's Palm Sunday. And they're burned down and they're sifted to remind us that apart from Jesus Christ, we are but dust. For God created the first man from dust and apart from his life-giving power to dust, we shall return. And as we consider these realities over the next 40 days, we have this powerful symbol placed on our foreheads of the dust from which we were made and the dust to which we will return apart from the life-giving resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as you receive these ashes, you'll hear two things. The first thing you will hear is dead in sin. Dead, this is, apart from Christ, this is you, just dead in sin. Dead is this dust in this little jar here. Dead in sin. And then you will hear alive in Christ. That in Christ Jesus, we are made alive. And there's even that symbol in these ashes too. For these jars do not just contain ashes, but traditionally the church has mixed oil, anointing oil in with the ashes. It makes a little bit of a, of a fine paste. The anointing of oil is what they would do with kings. The word Christ or Messiah means anointing. And so as you receive these ashes, reminding you that you and me and every human being you've ever locked eyes with is dead in sin, mixed into that death is this picture of the anointing kingship of Jesus Christ, that when we give our lives to him, 
place our ultimate faith and trust and hope in him, when we do the work of God to believe in the one whom he has sent, we make him king in our lives. His resurrection power goes to work. And there is a cross drawn on your forehead, dead in sin, but made alive in Christ. And so as we come to the imposition of the ashes, as you wait to be called, hear Jesus' question this Lenten season. What do you think?